Don't judge me, McCall, but I'm I'm gonna give myself to the dark side. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I think we have to do it. We can't let it go any longer before we do a podcast about Star Wars. Search your feelings. You know it be true. I do know it to be true. The inevitable. This one's going to be about Star Wars. <laughs> come on, you had to know that I was going to do that. I did, I did, I should have known. Yes, I mean, come on, we couldn't not do Star Wars, right? The Force Awakens, and other things Star Wars too. We've got other aspects we want to talk about, but of course, as with all of these that we do about movies, the upfront spoiler warning, we're going to ruin things. If you've not seen this movie... Well, let's be clear, it's like, if you haven't seen it by now, <laughs> what really are, are you waiting for? Yeah, what are you doing, for real? Get get in the game. You clearly have other priorities in your life, and that's fine, but <laughs> this, you do not care about a spoiler warning on, on this, then. I'm McCall. I'm Jeremy. This is Don't Judge Me. So, there's been so much spoken about this already. There's, like, literally more other media than any other movie I've ever seen. There's just this explosion of people talking about theories and uh, and and opinions about what the what the new movie does to their childhood understanding of this story. And everyone had an opinion on these things. They had an opinion on the characters, on the story, on what it did and didn't do. I've watched the people around me, the opinions of people around me change as they started exploring this story in discussion later. But Mm. I've engaged in far more discussion about this movie than any other movie that I've seen in the past couple of years. Yeah, it really has created this sort of meta-media landscape that I think only could exist in our time because sure. people like you and I can sit here and record a podcast about it and, or <laughs> upload a YouTube video or whatever it is. There's just so many more mm-hmm. um, outlets for having these types of discussions. And it's something that probably has influenced this franchise, has influenced our culture as much as any movie that I can Absolutely. possibly think of. This was one of the things that I was secret about, that I wouldn't tell people my, my love of Star Wars. And turns out all of the cool people either now pretend that they also had this this uh, secret love or right. there were far more of me than I realized. Did you like it? Did I like it? Okay, so this is a this is a difficult question. So in preparation for the movie, as did many others, I'm sure, I watched the original the original trilogy, four, five, and six. So I watched a new hope. And then um, I watched The Force Awakens. And it turns out uh, they're the same movie. (laughs) It's the same thing. So I liked that there were these familiar elements. But there were so much echo um, that it started to to reverberate for me. Mm. Once they actually got into the the battle with Starkiller Base, it was so much like A New Hope. I found it a little unpalatable. I actually enjoyed the moments that weren't these direct echoes quite a bit more. The things that that I really liked about this film were those things that were completely uh, separate from from the other films. Like, there's a moment where... um, What's the pilot's name? Poe Dameron. Where where Poe Dameron is, is, uh, in the very beginning of the movie, is sort of... He's thrown on the ground in front of uh, Kylo Ren, and uh, he says, what, are you going to talk? Yeah, do you talk talk now? How does this work? So it was funny, right? It was. It was very funny, but and and it didn't play directly off of something from the other series. It was standing on its own. It wasn't just a thing that somebody else said rehashed. That's right. Yeah. So so I I really enjoyed those moments, 
Um, because what I was looking for was a brand new story told in a place that I enjoyed previously. And so those moments that were brand new were what I liked. So I I think it's quite interesting because Star Wars is one of those films that embodies this um, hero's journey, mm. right? Which is, is this concept introduced by a guy uh, whose name I think is Joseph Campbell. Yeah, Lucas has said that he intentionally uh, baked in the hero's journey, mm-hmm. a lot of th- those spe- those elements. Yes, absolutely. And like that was what he was trying to do. And he pulled on um, his love of... Uh, Kurosawa samurai movies. He pulled on his love of sort of the John Wayne westerns and all of these different tropes. Mm-hmm. And then he made something yet all his own at the same time, uh, which I think was really is really pretty cool, actually. So Ray parallels Luke, right? And Luke goes on this hero's journey, and so does Ray. So all of the things that we're doing feel familiar, even if they are somewhat different we play musical chairs with the characters where they rearrange who they what their role is in this journey but there there's all the the places are still there no no real new dynamic has been introduced to the journey itself yeah no i think you're absolutely right of course he's going to to look to to the the hero's journey idea to start his creation i don't think that i would have the the courage to try to take this on so Good job, Abrams. I still had a lot of fun watching this movie. I can't. I did too. I cannot remember the last time that I was sitting in in a theater, feeling that much just giddy excitement early <laughs> in the film. Like in, it starts, and the aesthetics are just right. You know, the sounds are there. And oh, for sure. It's the textures and everything. The stormtroopers are are in this like dropship type mm. thing. They're, they're about to storm the beach essentially. Right. But that in itself was a totally different perspective than we'd ever seen on the, on the stormtroopers. I really enjoyed it was that. Great. It was great. The empire felt scary again, right? The baddies weren't just sort of these hapless guys who sort of, you could put a Benny Hill soundtrack to, right. <laughs> and people have, I'm sure they were real. And I also think that they did a really great job humanizing them. So they have this almost like saving private Ryan yeah. intro yeah. with these stormtroopers sort of locking and loading and shaking in this uh, attack on this village, right? Early in the film. No, that, and that's really interesting. That, that, that humanizing thing is something that in none of the films was ever really explored and right? you desperately needed it for this film to, to work. Otherwise you wouldn't care about Finn, I think. I cared about Finn immediately after right. you see him, his fellow trooper falls right. and puts his hand up and right. basically has a, leaves a bloody mark on his helmet. Right. And you're so like, you can... oh, this is, this is where we're going. They're not just all these plastic helmets. They, they're people under there. It was not until this movie that I really even considered that there were really people in there that weren't simply pure evil. I, I'd never, ever explored that there's a great moment later when they attack the bar one of the stormtroopers recognizes finn and calls him a traitor oh, yeah and then like is out to like literally get him right, right right and again superhumanized made it a lot more interesting in lots of ways than stormtroopers just sort of like getting attacked by teddy bears or whatever else <laughs> you know that stormtroopers have had to endure through the rest yeah. of star wars dang, dang, Finn like isn't a hero; it's Ray, right? And from the the posters and all of the stuff leading up, it wasn't totally clear who would really be uh, front and center. No, Ray was 
Ray was definitely the hero, and and not knowing from the beginning who you were supposed to follow actually was quite interesting because at first it sort of feels like it's going to be Finn, and then it quickly becomes clear that he is not a is not a hero. He's not on that path, uh, and then Ray quickly comes to the forefront as being um, the person who is going to go on this quest of sort of self-realization. One of the things that I really enjoyed about uh, this film is also something that's oft talked about, and that's the fortunes for women in the Star Wars universe. Before I knew how much of a role Rey was going to have in this story, um, I stumbled upon an artifact online, which was a, it was a clip of all of the speaking parts of any woman that wasn't Princess Leia condensed into a, a single clip online. Mm-hmm. It totaled 30 seconds. <laughs> so so it was um, it was really refreshing to see uh, them actually continue to play off of that. There are there are moments in when they first meet, you know, Finn and Ray and uh, and <laughs> I think they get blown up or something and Ray jumps back up and Finn is passed out. Unco- he's been knocked unconscious. And when Ray wakes him up, he's like, oh, my God, are you OK? And she's like, what? Am I OK? Yes, I'm fine. Are you? Yeah, whatever. Like, and stop <laughs> holding my hand. I do not need your help. Yeah. Um, so it was yeah. clear that there was an intentional uh, sort of acknowledgement that in this story, at least, uh, women were not going to, to continue to play this sort of background role. That we had one woman who uh, at least is going to be a very strong character. Hmm. Right. And then the other two major female characters were General, General Leia. Leia. Drop the mm-hmm. princess title. Right. Um, and I thought she was actually quite good. I really enjoyed some of her sage moments. She seemed like she'd been grizzled and, and weary, and I really liked that. The other major character who was a uh, female was um, Maz. Yeah, Maz something, right? Maz Gata. Maz Kanata. I can't even remember her name, um, but basically she was Lady Yoda. Oh, um, she was. She, oh my God! Do you think she was a Yoda species? So I think this goes back to exactly what you're talking about, where I, I don't think that she is a Yoda species, <laughs> but it's such a hat tip towards that. She's smallish. She's green. Yeah. She seems to have been around forever. She seems... Right. And she, she just shows up at the right moment, again, filling this role in the hero's journey um, that feels like deja vu rather than something <laughs> well, you, actually new. And you know in some room somewhere, somebody went, okay... While we're doing these echo things, and I swear they knew, they must have known that they were doing these on purpose. They must have been weighing how much are we going to mm-hmm. bake in this old story into this. Because it was, I'm not joking, it was the same movie redone. Someone's going, okay, does she speak in the backward? Does she say, to my tavern you are welcome? No, that's too far? Okay, that's too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's They're too like, far. nope, we're going to do her grammar pretty much right. <laughs> But so she's I'm glad- just going to be small and green. <laughs> okay, small and green. You're right. Small and green is close enough. They'll figure it out. Yes. Uh, but going back to it, I, I think that moment of, oh, no, no, they'll get, the, they'll get the relationship here. There is an attention here to call back really, really blatantly to these other movies. Are you familiar with the uh, Bechtel test? Yes, the Bechtel test. This is where uh, two women in a movie speak to each other right. about something other than a man. And I, I guess you can, it just about passes that test, <laughs> but, um, it does. Don't Leia and Ray yes, talk to each it's other? It's very brief. Point? And also Ray and Maz talk to each other. 
still feels like a boys movie to me you know like having ray as this hero who is too perfect oh, like God, i, I don't think the internet has killed it. that one to death already yeah. but it still doesn't feel like ray's femininity doesn't actually have anything to do with her success as a character or not to me uh you're saying that if ray had been a male character we wouldn't have seen a significant difference in the portrayal of that character well if if it is a tacked on uh moment then i i do appreciate them the joke of it i totally understand what you're saying for me it's just that that is a foil to his own feelings of a need to be masculine oh. rather than her actual own identity that it actually wasn't important to her whether he did or did not do those things you said okay and the humor is actually that he feels like he needs to. So uh, I, I get what you're saying. And I also think it's better, again, than just having a dude. Yeah, than just having some guy play the character, sure. I wouldn't call it, like, a, a real feminist victory or anything. No, okay, that's fair. Okay, I, w- I will not refer to it as a, re- as a true feminist victory for the, for the movie. Originally, the hero, Luke, was going to be called Starkiller. Ray is actually based on the early concept art for Starkiller, the, the hero in the sketches. And it was going to be a female character as well. No! Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No way. I had no idea. I mean, my favorite film is The Empire Strikes Back. Um, I think that that just... It takes you to these places that are um, really different takes you to Hoth and you have this whole other world it makes Star Wars feel a lot bigger the universe that it exists in is is vast and diverse that's why you are able to tell all of these spin-off stories the books the comics the video games all of that the landscape that it paints and your imagination fills in the gaps is so vast and that's one of the things that I really really liked about it I actually enjoyed that they they made it a little bit darker wasn't just a happy ending with the teddy bears. Um, like, I would have been fine if they had killed Luke in the end of Return of the Jedi. Oh, he come had, on. He had to be a tragic hero. You, you are, you're, so my, <laughs> my favorite movie was the one that you're crapping all over right now. So everybody <laughs> says Return of the Jedi was their least favorite. It was, uh, uh, Return of the Jedi was my favorite movie, um, despite your, uh, I'm going to air quotes here, your teddy bears uh, disparagement. <laughs> Even um, in the in the Return of the Jedi, they still do this, right? They we go to places like Endor yes. again that have this makes the world feel bigger, yes. right? So I never have liked Star Wars for the story itself. What? The story itself is super straightforward. It's full of plot holes and overly simplistic characters, but it's such a fun universe to exist in. The beauty of Star Wars is how wide a, a tapestry these simple, straightforward films actually provided for your imagination you could imagine countless other stories out of this tapestry oh i mean i I guarantee there will still be countless other stories out of this (laughs) most recent one boba fett is a great example right sure dude has like two lines in the movie and like one of the dumbest deaths possible before we wiped out all of the backstory you know that man didn't die there right yeah if you read the mandalorian (laughs) okay uh, that's that's actually that's a really fascinating perspective. No, I think you're right that uh, the environment of the world was uh, worlds the universe um, was a really almost a the most interesting character in the series. But I have to tell you that sounds an awful like like someone who goes to see a Broadway show and tells me how much they love the set. Come on, 
Really? Might, you I sat might. there through the whole thing because you love the set. You watched three movies because you think the set's great. No, you love the story. Simplistic or not, dialogue are, uh, uh, stilted and awkward as it might have been. Um, there was, there is an echo. There is a, there is a resonance to the the story of the the hero's journey that we've been talking about this whole time. This that satisfies some uh, need for uh, balance and a happy ending, and it is uh, fundamentally a resonant story. And this took away what was supposed to be my "they all lived happily ever after" moment. That's actually the same reason i liked the star trek universe as well is because it was expansive and while they are very different and they tend to galvanize people towards different poles of the sci-fi universe um, science fiction as opposed to science fantasy yeah sure so having the same person (laughs) yeah reboot both of these things sure leaves me aghast. For me, it is really distasteful that the same type of reboot has been done on this other franchise that is very near and dear to me. So I'm one of those people who actually likes both because of this expansiveness that they have, right? So things happen, Uh and then they have effects, and they have ripples, right? And then that's why you can go off and have, like, so many series of Star Trek that they had. (laughs) You can can bring Worf back from the next generation and put him in Deep Space Nine. Right. And it like all of his past experiences matter. I think after all of the movies and TV shows that they did, I think they did start to run out of space in the Star Trek universe. Uh. In both of these reboots, both in Star Trek and in Star Wars, we wipe away a lot of that sense of scope. In Star Trek, they wipe away the future by doing a butchering job of how time travel might work. Okay. It's like the worst. Yep, it just does. <laughs> Boom. And you didn't care for it? Mic drop, walk away. <laughs> nope, it's just different, you know? Yeah, it's all different now. Yeah, well, we don't... I mean, uh, I don't know. I struggle with that. I think uh, I think you're right. The, the fact that there was so much thinking in history uh, and time spent on this story was a fascinating element of that in those... of both environments, both for Star Trek and for Star Wars. But... This is, a, this is an element of, of geekitude that I've encountered in so many different realms. This is something that, that uh, my geek friends do. They get really familiar with the intricate details of sort of what, what are the rules mm-hmm. here and how does this world function, and then they can hit you with it later. You can be like, that can't work because this other thing. And right. we were, they were known for these, these sort of... But, uh, oh, these kind of fans would be the worst, right? It's like the sanctity of dogma. Yeah, right? yeah, right? So, so I'm not surprised that to avoid this uh, problem... He takes the same tack with both movies and like, all right, I'm not trying to tell all those stories. I don't, I don't want to be limited in my storytelling by all the things that have come before. And I frankly don't have time to learn it all. Uh, so I am going to tell a good story to you, fans. But I am also going to step on your toes in a number of different ways. And here's my lip service to explain why this is still okay. Right. All of your stuff can still exist, but I'm not going to abide by it. So I can contribute without without fully encapsulating, without fully internalizing all the rules that you have for me. So here's, I take the same issue with both franchises Tell now, me. and that's, this is what I find so distasteful, is clearly he and his team actually are these people. They know all of the things. There are so many hat tips in there, right? Like I just mentioned to you about the Starkiller thing, right? right? And they call it Starkiller Base. Right, right. 
So for anybody who doesn't know that, they're just like, oh, okay. And for everyone who does, they're like, wait, that was like the original concept name for <laughs> Luke Skywalker. And also the name of a ship that came about in some of the later novels. That was the Sun Crusher. Oh, right, the Sun Crusher. That's actually the point, is that it has so much closeness with that, right? <laughs> even though it's not even part of the, uh, the original canon. And so I think J.J. and his crew know all of this canon, and they just choose to, rather than play in the, in the sandbox that has been given to them. And to every other author, that, author that's managed to do that, by the way. They dump out the sandbox <laughs> that, you, that you loved and played in. <laughs> And then give you a wink and a nod while they do it. And I find that so, like, offensive to my, like, geeky sensibilities Mm. is that he knows what he's doing. And so every time there's a little um, hat tip, for example, when they're on the Millennium Falcon again, right? And they have the sort of weird chess game on the the table, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And they go go a little bit short of saying, let the Wookiee win. Mm -hmm. But the character that's literally on the board... The one that Chewie, Chewie gets killed. Right. The, the other thing happens. Right. It's the other way around. Oh, really? So his, yes. The, the, different... the actual, the actual oh, yeah. characters flip around. Right. And the one that died killed the other one in this Right, because in the first one, I think the brown one picked up the big green one and, like, smashed him down. Yay, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. That's and right. And actually, they just reverse it. Yes. And so that is insanely nerdy. Like, <laughs> they know... And they put... And this film is just peppered with these things. And they did the same thing in Star Trek. Right, and like when when Finn when Finn opens up the bag and he's trying to look for the med kit to tend to Chewbacca, right? Oh right. What is, what does he pull out? The training droid. The training droid. <laughs> yeah, right. From Luke learning to use a lightsaber. Right. It was great. He's spitting in my in the face of all of the things that I loved about this expansive universe and wants and wants me to like it. No, no, no. I don't think that's true at all. I think that if he'd started making references to General Thrawn. And uh, and things like that. Then then you could get you could get uppity about this. But there is. I would have been so happy if we had had Thrawn <laughs> or Admiral Thrawn. If he'd been making references to Admiral Grand Thrawn. Admiral Thrawn. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Thank you. Um, then then you could you could say that. So what I. Here's, a, here's two examples okay, right, of where Tell I me. find this mirroring of Star Trek and Star Wars uh, difficult because I liked that they were different. Picard is yeah. not Han Solo, no. and that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want them to be the same. We don't need the same type of heroes in these different franchises. Mm-hmm. They should represent something different. Two death scenes that J.J. has now done in both Star Trek and Star Wars mirror exactly this inversion that that happened on the chessboard, right? Oh, tell okay. me. Okay. Wrath of Khan, the second Star Trek movie that basically was redone in the in Star Trek Into Darkness, right? Yeah. There is a scene that is extremely famous, right? Khan. Where, Khan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows some... the Khan scream. <laughs> right, right, right. It's not nearly as exaggerated. Well, as I don't know. Big. It was. It was. It was. Uh, William Shatner. So it was. <laughs> it was dramatic. It was it was overdone. By the way, have you ever seen William Shatner's spoken word? Oh my God! Music? Yes. Oh yes. I'm a, a rocket man. A, a rocket man, <laughs> burning it's... out the years out here alone. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Fantastic. Isn't it stuff. amazing? Yeah. But besides the point, the, besides the point. the 
the point is actually that there there's a, this is a seminal moment that had some cultural impact right yeah and we take this scene and we we do a redux of it Re- remix it essentially. oh uh, like a okay so like you're talking about this is the hat tips that you're talking about Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we take this scene that's very, very well known in popular culture. Seminal, absolutely. So Spock and Kirk have known each other for a long time in the through the TV series, through the film. You mean in my we, in my world? We do. Okay. Like the the story, they have written many stories. We have seen them interact. We know yeah. them. We know they their relationship. A, we understand exactly. It. They have sure. long arcs together. Yeah. And they have also known each other in the real world for a long time. Those actors have been doing those roles for a long time. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Spock sacrifices himself to save Kirk and the Enterprise, which is what Spock would do. Because oh. Spock is the logical one. Spock is the one who is is always saying the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. So both in, in real time and in story time, this has been a long time coming, and it sort of is the climax of their relationship. In the original Wrath of Khan, you're talking about yes. where where uh, Spock and Kirk have this moment. At Spock sacrifices mm-hmm. himself to save them. Exactly. Okay. And then, thus we have oh. Khan! Yes. Because Out of, of that scene. Sure, because it was touching. It was a touching scene. Because it made sense. <laughs> and, and the thing that I cannot get over in that second Star Trek reboot was... They flipped it around, so Kirk is the one that goes in mm-hmm. and say and kills gets killed, mm-hmm. and Spock is the one who goes, Khan, and it doesn't make any sense because they have known each other in the story space for like a year, like and they hated mo- each other most of the time. Right, we've only had two movies. It just feels like this incredible undermining of the reason why that moment was important in the first movie done as sort of a like hat tip. We, we know that you guys have seen that other movie, but we don't seem to realize or care about why you liked it in the first place. This is tricky though, man. I mean, like that's fundamental to what a, a reboot is. If you're going to reboot a series and not acknowledge some of the wonderful things that made that series great. I mean, we, you should just make a different movie. Yes. When Han Solo dies in the new Spoilers. Star- <laughs> Spoilers. Go ahead. When Han Solo dies in the new new film, yeah. I didn't feel anything. Did you? I of didn't course. feel emotional. I did not feel very emotional about it. Really? No, I felt like it was inevitable and I felt like it just felt kind of hollow. Oh no, I knew it was coming. I still felt emotional because that character had history that wasn't overwritten. Yes, but I wanted so much more because Han Solo and his son Ben, right? The first time we ever see them meet, Han gets killed by his son. On paper, that sounds sad, but it doesn't. That's not how like the storytelling of film works. We don't know. We haven't seen them interact for a long time. We haven't seen this history that is there, so we just get this lip service to it, and then he's dead. Yeah. Who I felt sorry for was Chewie, Chewie and Leia. Right. The best dramatic moment in this whole movie is when Han and Leia see each other again for the first time. Oh, for sure. Because we've seen these characters so many times. We've watched them for a long time, both in in real time and in the story space. <sighs> There's just not the gravity to the situation when Han dies for me that I wanted. I gotta, I, 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 I gotta, I gotta push back a little on that. I, I, I think 
when you are telling a story about characters with whom there is no history with the audience, you can handle it in a different way. I think that Abrams chose to rely on his understanding of our relationship with these characters over the course of, God, of over the course of, what, 30, 40 years? Right, there, and th- but that's, that's what works for me with Han and Leia meeting again, right? We didn't need him to fill in but you all of just, the years that has happened. Right, but you can't just, you can't, uh, you can't require that of new characters as well. But if you're going to kill somebody yeah. so substantial, I want him his death to mean more than it meant to me in that. I see your point. I see why you would say that the emotional moments were the pieces that were evocative of your existing uh, relationships with these characters because you've had those for so very long. Uh, That said, this isn't the story of Han and Luke and Leia. This isn't their movie. Uh, It is not to tell their story and continue their story. It is to advance this new story, and and that's a little bit of the betrayal that I feel about uh, the use of them in that in that way. For me, it is like the ultimate big budget fan fiction. What do you he mean? He had the the ability to recast a lot of the story into what he wanted. the The end of Return of the Jedi means something totally different for you now that you know there was ba- this battle of Jakku that was actually the real end of the war and all of this other stuff and. Um, that people didn't live happily ever after together, those feelings that you had at the end of that film, mm. he now gets to take in a different direction. You said, right, but if you, if you don't want those things to be re- rebooted, then you have to go make something new. Why is everything a sequel? Everything is a franchise. Yeah. Now? Well, I mean, that, that fan desire for these sequels, I mean, we clamored for them, right? We were doing this to ourselves. We were like, yes, a Star Wars sequel, hooray! Oh, wait, I don't like sequels. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that is maybe more disconcerting for me is to maybe come to terms with the fact that I'm like now too old to fall in love with something in the same way again, right? Is that the magic that those films had for me when I first saw them, or like I remember watching the Transformers movie and like, over and over again i loved it and you know just the the absolute butchering of that franchise is beyond repair for me (laughs) and it's like where are these new things that you can you can fall in love with at that same scale and i think maybe that's when you when you have to start digging deeper when you've seen all of these things you have to go find other stuff that maybe isn't that hasn't been beaten to death right right and i think it's that maybe that's the thing that i'm the most impressed about this this endeavor that they've done with Star Wars is Star Wars is beaten to death, to absolute pulp by the fans and by the fiction, um, and yet it continues to breathe life, and I think that's really impressive. You're, no, that's that's true. I think it is really impressive that it has been it has been taken out and whacked in any number of ways, and uh, and and stretched in so many directions, and uh, and we're still coming back to it and still enjoying it. Mm-hmm.